0: It is uh, the eleventh episode of High Fantasy, the first one of the year twenty seventeen, right? Or did we do another one? I don't know. No,
1: remember. we we did another one. We did one two weeks ago. Oh. We we actually we actually managed to do two episodes in a row, like we're supposed to.
0: Really? <laughs> wow, I for- forgot. I thought that was before. Okay. No, no it says I was,
1: I was going to Disney, and so. Oh
2: yeah, we did right
0: nine a.m. Yes. Yeah, and I was pissed off about it. That's all I don't remember. I was tired. <laughs>
1: okay. Careful, so Colin. She'll try to stab episode.
0: us. Um, we're going to be talking that funny? about humor today. <laughs> <laughs> funny. Yeah, humor. Let's do the funny things. But first, did any of us make progress? Did we do the writing thing that we're supposed to be doing? Uh,
1: yes. Um, I finally got past page 200, which is cool. Ooh, um. Yeah. And so you've you've got about 100 pages of backlog now, Alex. Uh, Yeah, I need to do that at some point. But, uh, yeah, um, I don't know. But I I feel like I've written something I don't like. So I'm just going to have to get through it and probably scrap it all later.
0: I hate that feeling. It's one of the biggest things that makes me stop writing.
1: But, you know, it's one of those things where there's a lot of dialogue in there that I can just repurpose in a, in a different way and just change the catalyst for the dialogue. So, we'll see. I don't know. I'm not overly happy with it.
2: I have not committed anything to words, but a story that I had started that I got like 10,000 words into and just didn't really like the direction of, I've gone back to try to create a more coherent base for it. So I'm plotting some timeline stuff.
0: Nice. I uh, have. I finally finished the, the scene that I was struggling with and like just always in the middle for like two months. Um, and then I did another one and a half scenes and I had to do more world building because even of all the world building I did, there's still more I need to do. It, which confuses me. It's like, how did I not figure all that out before? <clears throat> and it's nice and distracting. But, all right, let's talk. Our topic today is humor. And this is weird and odd and confusing because how the fuck do you be funny on purpose? None of us are very funny. Yeah. We laugh at each other all the time. That's not quite the same thing. Yeah,
1: I'm pretty funny, damn it.
0: I will quote Harry Dresden. I know I'm funny. Unappreciated, but funny. (laughs) That's what I have to tell myself all the time. Um, So so it has like a, a crash course of like the mechanics of comedy... And humor in general. Colin and and I basically watched this thing that was on Brandon Sanderson's lectures from Howard Tyler. He was a guest lecturer, and he talked about humor. So that's basically what I'm regurgitating. And a a big thing of jokes is a subverted expectation. In some way, you were surprised and it was funny.
1: So, okay go ahead no no go
0: okay one of the examples that he had was uh, introducing someone talking them up but then ending it with men want to be him and women want to be with those men which is really really funny because you're building up and then you just completely drop the status and you're not expecting it with that type of buildup the basics of subverted expectation um there is a formula that Scott Adams has, and he's the writer for Dilbert, among other things. Mm-hmm.
1: And he's hilarious.
0: Uh, he is funny. Um, let's see. He has uh, like four or five to six things that if you can get all of them, then the better your joke is. Or like the, the more of them you have, the better it is. And they are naughty, clever, cute, mean, bizarre, and recognizable. The more of those qualities you have, the the better it, the joke will hit, and like have a reaction with people. Um, and then the comic drop is a thing that happens all over the place. It happens in that thing I was talking about before of men want to be him, women want to be with those men. Is that you're lowering the status, and that is the part that we find funny because we are terrible human beings and we laugh at others. <laughs> <laughs> or stab them. <laughs> see <laughs> you did it
1: yeah and it's a it's a running gag now so you know it's funny because you always react the same way even though you know it's coming every podcast at some point i'm okay. going to say that you like to stab people and it's funny because you have your reaction to it
0: i have never stabbed anyone
1: <laughs> but even yeah. if you did you wouldn't admit to it so <laughs> I'm surprised in this list that there isn't more talk about Douglas Adams because Hitchhiker's Guide is oh. one of the funniest books I've ever read. I, I, had, I had the trilogy on audiobook and I was doing a lot of driving for spring break and I, uh, I almost wrecked my truck because I was laughing so hard. Like, it, it is one of the funniest single books I've ever read.
0: Yeah, um, I love the line of the, the ship hung in the air, much in the way a brick won't. <laughs> it's it just like I don't know how to describe it, but there's something about uh, Douglas Adams and Terry Pratchett, and once in a while, J.K. Rowling had that thing. So it makes me think that it's a British thing, but I love it. it it's like they describe something by contradiction. Well, they it's an airship, how the way it is not like a brick. White.
1: would that be sort of like the subverted expectations like you expect it you expect it to be described in a way that it is and not in a way that it isn't would that be yeah. subverted expectations or would that be something else I, w-
0: I would say so but it's it's so strange
2: yeah um, analogies are usually used to compare two objects not mm-hmm. to disassociate two objects right
0: Yeah, um, and also like I read he, a little bit of
1: like Douglas Adams gets a lot of the uh, clever and bizarre parts of jokes. Like they're very clever, but they're very weird. <laughs> like yes. like the joke of you know the potted plant thinking, "Oh no, not again!" And if we had known why it said that, we would uh, have a much better understanding of the universe.
0: I don't know that one, but I loved the uh, the planet that was surrounded by fog and clouds and so they never saw space until they developed a spaceship and they went above the clouds and they saw that there was a universe outside of them and said, oh no, this has to go. There can't be a <laughs> universe outside of them, so I'm just going to destroy the entire thing. And I like, that is bizarre, uh, but it's also like a little bit familiar. Mm-hmm. recognizable because it's like oh no you can't not pay attention to me it's a thing that we hate in people all the time
1: or you know the stuff about how like like the explanations for things like you know in the beginning God created the universe and this has been widely held as a bad decision yes. <laughs> you know that's just really simple but like it's clever you know like ah that's pretty funny and again it's sort of that like subverted expectations
0: um, if you can I don't know how to exactly do that when I want to but I love it when it's done the subverted expectations um, another thing is the idea that humor is an, a method of dealing with an interrupted defense mechanism uh, has to do with something from the book Ringworld by I believe his name was Larry Niven Mary. and uh i don't know justin read the book but he doesn't watch this one so uh there's a a, several types of species of aliens and one of them is an absolute coward and the other one is like a big giant warrior thing and they're talking about uh humans and the way that they deal with humor and comedy it's like laughing seems to be an interrupted defense mechanism and the coward says why in god's name or what sane creature would do that because interrupting your defense mechanism by definition would make you insane and it's hilarious so the howard he had this thing of describing that on nine eleven, he did this thing he could only get away with that one day and half the people loved it and then told him never to do it again half the people just went straight to yelling at him never do it again and it's when he goes into an office that had a window and he's just like ducking down a little bit it's like oh a really low flying plane and so <laughs> half the people would just burst out laughing said so never do that and other people would just get really angry the people who laughed had the interrupted defense mechanism and it kind of cut the tension that their fear um, and other people just get pissed off because and they go straight to the fear
2: should have been pointed out that this was before we fully understood what had happened
0: Yes. Yes. He didn't know how terrible it was when he did it. He just knew that there were planes that crash into buildings.
1: <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful decide. when you're joking about death and destruction. You can do it. It's just difficult. <laughs> and
2: you need
0: to yes. Yeah. But he would. He said he would never be able to get away with it any other day, um, because of context. But he interrupted. Defense mechanism is really weird to think about. It's like, is that why dark humor is really funny? You know, like laughing about death and destruction.
1: Well, and sometimes, but sometimes, you know, like dark humor, like you know it shouldn't be funny, but it still is. Yeah. Like, like uh, there's there's a comedian, uh, Christopher Titus, love his stuff. But like one of his bits in one of his specials, he's talking about his mom killing herself and you're laughing about it. But you're like, but when you're done, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have laughed at that. That's really sad. (laughs) But like, it's so funny, but you feel bad. Like dark humor is sometimes just like you feel bad for laughing about it.
0: Yeah. um, Sometimes I just, I feel like I really like dark humor because I like making fun of the things you're not supposed to make fun of.
1: Well, and that's also, you know, comic drop, too, you know, going after the quote-unquote sacred cows.
0: Kind of, yeah.
1: I mean, um, it's hard to say, like, because so many of these things end up going together, you know, it's like some, some of these things are just certain jokes, but, you know, a lot of times that comic drop applies to dark humor, which applies to subverted expectations, you know, so, like, you have this expectation that this one thing is, un, you know, you're not supposed to make fun of it, but um, but you are making fun of it, so that changes the expectations. And generally, you're, by making fun of it, you're dropping, you know, you're lessening the status because it's funny.
0: I, I also think it has to do with the defense mechanism of, like... Um, For example, if someone makes a racial joke and a lot of people just kind of climb up you're not allowed to make fun of that, but then you still think it's funny and you feel terrible about it, but you start laughing because you feel terrible about it. (laughs) I I like those things. Yeah. Um, I have played Cards Against Humanity and I found out I have a much darker humor than the people I was playing with.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'll happen.
0: (laughs) Well, it was was weird. (laughs) Um... There was uh, four people total, myself, my husband, and two others. I was the judge doing the the thing. You put cards to match the black card, and one person has to judge and select them. And so I didn't get to put any cards towards it, but I chose the one that happened to be from my husband. And I don't remember what the joke was, but I do remember that the punchline was child molestation. (laughs) And the other two were so weirded out but my husband and I were just like, that's funny. It was funny. I don't remember the joke, though. I wish I could. I
2: feel like people who get weirded out at those kind of things are not the people who should be playing Cards Against Humanity.
0: Yeah, it's like, uh, they were fine with tons of other things, but it's just like, that one, it's like, whoa, <laughs> they, they didn't know it could get that bad. You have funny. to, get,
2: I mean, if you get those like, perfect cards that are just so offensive, kind of, think of. I know,
0: yes. <laughs> the ones that hurt. Like, if you can line up with, like, um, things that, like, you know, make fun of you being for a terrible human being. <laughs> I love it.
1: <laughs> it's yeah, it's kind of like uh, there's a card game called Super Fight. And it's, like, apples to apples meets um, Cards Against Humanity. So there's heroes and there's attributes. And you, each person draws a hero and two attributes. And they have to debate with somebody else on why their hero would beat the other hero. So, like, one of them, cause, and there's all these different packs. So, obviously, we have the sci fi and R rated pack. So, you know, every once in a while, I'll be like, D- the doctor with, you know, a uh, uh, dildo shooting bazooka, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So. It just it can get really bad, just terrible, and you're like, because you have to defend it. Like, oh yeah, the doctor with a you know a bazooka that shoots dildos will totally beat Superman. You know?
0: I think Broken Jars needs to play Super Fight one day because we were going to have a podcast called Super Fight anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, um, yeah. Are oh, there some other types of Humor, for example, like just terrible awkwardness and pain, which is uh, described by Curb Your Enthusiasm and almost anything that had Larry David in it. My husband loves it, and I get why it's funny, but I just feel too much pain to watch it. <laughs> I I can't. I cannot do that one.
1: Just like the, it's so awkward, it's funny. Like- yeah, yeah. Yeah, like there's some office episodes that are like that, yeah, uh, yeah. like dinner party, like oh it's god. so cringy, but like you can't look away. It's like, yeah, you're like, oh god, oh god, it's like watching your wreck happen. Like you don't want to see it happen, but like you're so immersed in it that you can't not look, can't not look at it. You know. And everyone's
2: favorite Scotts Tots. Oh,
1: that's brutal. That one's brutal.
0: <laughs> that one is brutal. Um. Yeah, you know, the things that you just like hurt on behalf of the characters that's in a terrible position. And just I can do it sometimes, but not always. There's <laughs> uh, like okay, there's slapstick. Is I learned this from the videos that we watch. Is slapstick is when it's physical humor, like you're hitting someone and it's funny. Right, okay.
1: Then that's uh, that's harder to do in writing i would think because a lot of slapstick physical humor is the visual of it happening and it's really hard to describe that with the same kind of effect of someone just like up and slapping somebody
0: i did just think of a scene where i loved it that someone got slapped and because it was a little funny and ironic way um i don't remember which book it was but it was one of the game of thrones books (laughs) Tyrion was talking with Cersei and insulting her for being a brother <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, It's like, oh, well, you do all those nice things for Jamie. Are you going to do nice things to me? And she just gets pissed off and slaps him. And he continues talking and she slaps him some more. And it's just, it was a really good scene <laughs> because she was getting insulted. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, she she is what she is. Uh,
0: I, I also like puns. It's completely more lighthearted, but I like puns. I
2: mean, I was watching Three Stooges the other day, and there's a reason it's still funny. The right episodes. But just when they're following military commands, but they're taking it literally, and the drill instructor obviously has his intentions he means but then it's the three stooges so they just start literally hitting people with things <laughs> and like trying to parade the guns around properly and swinging them and hitting the drill instructor in the head with them and <laughs> slapstick can be done well
1: it can be yes and puns puns are great um i love puns I would guess, like, the humor I've kind of written into Corlex is more of, like, the subverted expectations and the comic drop, but mostly in a self-deprecating kind of way towards the main character.
0: Because the comic drop is on your main character. That's the drop.
1: Right. So, you know, there's a a point where uh, I say something to the effect of, he felt really clever, but no one else thought this or (laughs) or felt the same way or something like that.
0: I know I'm funny. I appreciate it. Funny, it helps. Um, do Do you guys get like weird, funny feelings when you see someone swearing a lot? Because I do. I don't know why I enjoy it, but like inventive or just explicit swearing is really fun for me.
1: Uh, there's certain times, especially in something like uh, Parks and Rec, where they really just use like that bleeped out f bomb perfectly. It's like, oh fuck, <laughs> you know. Just they're, they're, they do it better in Parks and Rec than The Office. But there's a couple of times where, like in season five, where uh, Charles Minor comes in to the in the office, and Kelly Kelly just looks at him and she's just like, fuck me. <laughs> it's just so hilarious. <laughs>
2: You read Laszlo Lacroix*.
1: The answer is, you have is always no. No,
2: you <laughs> have. I have. Um, the nice bird asshole.
0: You just ruined it. I, that joke is amazing, but as soon as you know the punchline, you see the setup coming, and True. it's like I, I saw people talking about that, and they just called it the uh, the nice bird asshole. Playing. it's like oh oh that that'll be really funny i guess and i saw the setup coming from a mile away so i was not surprised but it was great
1: so what like
0: you go into that joke blind and it's amazing
1: so do you do you try to like build a joke or do you like want to go more with one-liners like in your own writing because some jokes, you know, you can build over the entire course of the story, where other jokes are just like a funny line or something, you know? I'm oh, very good
0: with humor. <laughs> I, I like both, but I, I don't know if I'm clever enough to do either.
2: <laughs> um, I'm not I'm not clever enough for one-liners.
0: I mean, the closest I've gotten so far is one character calls the other an optimist. That's about as funny as I got so far. Um, otherwise, I just. I get gold thinking about my story, setup. thinking about how much I tortured my characters, but.
2: But your Optimus line still took the setup of why it's funny. Even if it's just one.
0: Yeah, I guess. It's like. It's a very uh, dire situation. And uh, the guy, Adrian. He is like, could it maybe be a little bit more of a, a benign thing and not as dire as we think it is? And the woman just says, uh, no, it's, it's really, really unlikely. But I guess technically possible because we don't know for sure yet. And she uh, gives some reasons as to why it's very likely dire. And he's like, oh, I didn't, don't know why I didn't think it would be that. It's like, because you're an optimist. It just kind of dismisses him. He gets a little pissed off. But that's about as funny as I've gotten so far that's as clever as I did
1: I feel like I did a decent job with the it's funny because it's true kind of thing where like I wrote something where he, this guy is explaining about how you know, people don't really want choices. They think they want choices, they but they really want is the illusion of choice. And I, th- I thought that was pretty yeah. funny <laughs> when I wrote it. I'm like, oh, good job, you're clever, Jacob. <laughs> you know? Like, one of those, like, you write, you're like, you sit back, you share, like, oh, that was pretty clever. Good job.
0: <laughs> I have to get funnier. You don't have to. You're writing a military. No. Yes. You military. Have you been around seen. military people?
1: Oh, they're in general terrible people.
0: <laughs> but yeah, but you know the the idea of the dark humor of laughing at the fact that they're in a war zone or mm-hmm. you know, just making fun of each other, calling each other pussies all the time. You should you, you should watch funny.
1: some mash. If you really want to like get some like that war humor, watch some mash. Uh, especially like third fourth seasons, so good.
0: Hmm.
1: And plus, mash is awesome. It's maybe the best show ever made. So,
0: yeah. Oh, well, I, I, yeah. I think uh, hilarious military stories are well hilarious, and I enjoy uh, the swearing aspect of it because they usually get very inventive. <laughs> and I have no real possibility of recreating that, so I need to get funnier.
1: Well, you could always have like a swear off, like to where like. Everyone has to like keep upping the ante until they can't anymore, and that person wins. who <laughs> Can't be topped. <laughs> uh,
0: according to my uncle, he did that when he was in the navy.
1: Oh, we did that in college.
0: <laughs> I was very boring in college. Apparently, but I was already married. You are about to say you were already I did married. A boring thing. I went home. I made dinner. That was it.
1: Yeah, we. I lived in a dorm for four years. <laughs> <laughs> Things get really strange at 2 (laughs) a.m.
2: Community college for two years and then my own apartment for the last two years of college, so I skipped out on the dorms, too.
0: I, I did not stay in a dorm for a single night. I loved it.
1: I mean, there's definitely some advantages to that, but, you know, I did enjoy my time on my floor because well where I, this is off topic but where i went to school what floor you were on was a big deal like every floor had their own logo and colors and names and traditions, so it's kind of like every college huh
2: that's every college
1: yeah it's bigger than what i've seen it like well you know compared to like big state schools that generally doesn't happen at bigger schools
2: yeah it's just then it's just the building you're in because there's too many floors <laughs> yeah
1: but even then, like, because I've been, you know, I went to Oklahoma State for a while and been at other universities, and it was nothing like what I've seen at uh, the school I went to, so. But anyway, I digress, because this is completely off topic. <laughs>
0: um, well, like, are there any other funny things that stand out to you from fantasy books that you have known? Because, well... I have to mention it even more. is dressing in files. It's really fucking funny.
1: It is funny, um, but it's almost always dark funny. Like, oh, this sort of. is, this is bad, but it's funny. Like, terrible things are happening, but he's still cracking wise. And that's funny because it's, he's doing it in a terrible, in a terrible time <laughs> to terrible people. It is probably going to get him killed at some point.
0: I, I'm going to have to say that the, the most humorous book, of the Justin Files is cold days. I don't know what it was. Like maybe he just hung around with a bunch of comedians for a long time, but that book has a lot of like witty one liner type things and I think it's, clever uh, situations.
2: Winter Court in particular. Well,
1: yeah, the Winter Court's say, pretty yeah, crazy. Oh, yeah. No, yeah.
2: <laughs> I just think all the characters in Winter Court tend to lend themselves towards creating humorous situations.
1: Yeah, well, that's something that we don't really talk about on this list here, but, you know, just over-the-top humor. It's so over-the-top, so grandiose, it's funny, you know? Like, and you get a lot of that in, like, in The Winter Court and Dresden Files where it's so over-the-top, so unbelievable, it's funny because it's so crazy.
2: There's a moment in Malazan where... A dog takes a leak on the foot of the god of death, <laughs> and it's just with an audience watching. <laughs> it's just such a bizarre and unique situation that it, you can't help but laugh at it. And the god of death kind of just lets the pup do it.
1: <laughs> well, who's not going to hurt what are a you puppy. Do? It's a dog. Yeah, okay, just kill yeah. It. all dogs are good dogs.
0: Puppy, puppy doesn't die.
2: Also, that dog, uh, I think, lived through, like, the entire series, so.
1: (laughs) He's just sitting there, like, chilling, like, peace. (laughs) Yeah,
2: and his, like, followers in the background are just chuckling at him, and he's just stoically letting the dog do
0: it. It does remind me of Skin Game, actually, with the the giant three-headed dog, Kerberos, just, like, there, being a dog, and huge. (laughs) See that, and that, then the explanation that the dog's name is Spot.
1: Yeah, that, that goes sort of in that subverted expectations where you're like, hmm, this thing should be a devil dog, but it's just like rolling around being a normal puppy.
2: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: And then Fluffy from Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> that thing was vicious, but just the name.
0: Yeah, that, the, that's Hagrid. It's like, I, I guess know. that's the... The background of Hagrid is everything is just so sweet and cuddly, even though it's a giant man-eating dragon type of thing. Uh, Although speaking of uh, Kerberos, the dog, um, the Venture Bros has that dog show up and it's voiced by H. John Benjamin. And at one point he has like three heads, one of them is talking, the other one is licking his balls and he's describing that he can like taste his balls while talking. <laughs> it's hilarious.
2: Why would someone think of that?
1: <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to go know. back and write like so many jokes for Corlex now. Like I'm feeling inspired.
2: <laughs> so, um, good. Howard was saying I think um he was talking about branding and having to rewrite some, well, rewrite everything. But how he had to When he goes and does the jokes, he has to go back through and move the jokes around so that they don't interrupt any of the tension he's trying to build.
0: Oh, yeah, he was talking about that in terms of, um, he wrote horror, but he also wanted to have some funny parts in it because he likes humor. And one of his people in his beta readers was like, well, okay, but don't use the comedy to interrupt the horror part. He's like, oh, okay. And so he says that he moves them around. To He has the, the comedic point. That is like building tension, and then it's like it's a drop, but then it like it leads you up into an even bigger horror drop, and it was much more effective. And, yeah, yeah. Comedy will relieve tension. Comedy
2: is just something you can plug and play around in your stories.
1: Well, a lot of times, a lot of times, the joke is not essential; it's just funny, you know. You the the joke isn't a plot point; it's just something that's happening, you know. So you, So as long as the joke kind of works with the flow of where it is in the story, it doesn't matter that it's there or somewhere else. I think. <laughs>
2: yeah. Sometimes it helps fill the gap between when you know you want tension and when you don't need tension.
1: Right. It can be a good break, so you get this like comedic thing, then you can ramp up the tension, or the tension has been high, so you use a joke to drop the tension a bit, you know that kind of stuff. Man, I I sound so authoritative when I'm on this podcast, but I don't one who didn't watch the video.
0: <laughs> you didn't do your homework. David. I'm
1: sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> We're still trying to catch up from vacation. <laughs> We've been doing laundry nonstop. <laughs> I hate laundry. Oh, I do too. I do too. With a passion, I hate laundry.
0: (laughs) I swear sometimes um, people think of jokes and then they write entire series in order to allow them to tell that joke. And in particular, I'm thinking of the, the Tide Lords Quartet by Jennifer Fallon. And I'm not going to say what the joke was because it was on like the last fucking page, and you have to read through the entire four books in order to get it. Sort of. But I, I just, it stands out to me. It's like, I swear she wrote those books to tell that joke, and she did it wonderfully. And I still remember my mom just burst out laughing when she got to that part in the book. I had well, read it You know, part
1: so of I it is, it the, you know, it's the. Sometimes stories are written to be satire. Like the entire. Story is written to be satire because apparently that's like what um, Hitchhiker's Guide was supposed to be. It was supposed to be satire on the political environment of England at the time. That's what I've read. I don't know if it's true, but yeah. Uh, you know, so, so it's that kind of stuff. So you're you're using humor to tear something down or you know that kind of stuff. So it's meant to be like one big long joke at someone's expense.
0: You just reminded me, I don't know how, um, but of Catch-22, which I didn't re- I didn't finish it. For some reason, I just like put it down and never picked it back up. But there's some parts of it that were really funny when they're describing a character known as Major Major. Uh, his father was an alfalfa not grower. <laughs> he's listed as an alfalfa grower, but he gets to get money from the government if he says he's not growing alfalfa because that he should be switching to corn or something. And then he just uses the money, buys more plots of land, and then still is an alfalfa not grower. And, and then there's the description uh, of how the character Major Major got his name to be, like, how it came to be from his father doing weird things, and is uh, rank in the military of Major 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 Major. <laughs> It stood out to me. I'm never going to forget that. He has a character. Major is all four parts of his name. <laughs> it's well done. It is.
1: Kind of like Montgomery, Montgomery, and Lemony Snicket.
0: I don't know enough of that series, but probably.
1: Well, I've been. We've been watching the Netflix version, which is really good. I highly recommend it. Oh. Especially if you like Neil Patrick Harris, because he's awesome in it.
0: Mm. Do you guys watch Archer? No. I love- oh. I, I, I've been watching a lot of Archer lately, and that's actually why I wanted to do this, just because I've been dissecting how they make things funny. And, and um, yeah, it's been fun, but there's, like, part of it, I think, is just to do with H. John Benjamin's voice. It's, like, anything he does when he sounds pissed off, it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> there's also a lot of weird absurdist things and like puns like uh, at one point a character loses a hand and needs a replacement and it's gonna be a bionic replacement and so there's like an entire conversation of using idioms have to do with hands it's like, uh, like give me a hand uh, it's like like ever raise of hands who thinks it's getting out of hand and it's just kind of getting more, <coughs> more crazy but it's hilarious
1: nice
0: also the characters are fucking crazy <laughs>
1: So, but the other part of humor is knowing when to stop, because we've all had seen like, it's it's, it's, all, it's it's often a joke that someone doesn't know when to stop a joke. You see it a lot in in different uh, in different TV shows and movies and stuff. So, like, you got to know like this is far enough for now. It's like if you keep hitting that note, people are going to get tired of it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know how to know when to stop, because I don't even know how to be funny in the first place.
2: (laughs) I don't think any of us have any problem with an overabundance of humor.
1: (laughs) I just don't know how to write it. I used to do stand-up, so that was fun, but...
0: (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Then, uh, you should be leading this one,
1: (laughs) But it's... But stand-up is its own very special type of humor. Like, you see people who are, have great comedic timing in, like, TV shows and movies, and they try to do stand-up, and they're terrible. Or people who are really good stand-up are terrible actors, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's a really different dynamic.
0: Yes, I suppose. Um, so, you know what? Let's just dissect the Justin Files, because I know we've all read that one, and we can, can work with it, I still think. We should be talking about cold days, because I don't know why, it was very, very funny. For example, uh, let's see, Thomas calls Harry a pessimist, and Harry says, Oh, no, I'm not, but, you know, that can't last. (laughs) He's making fun of the definition, and the weird glibness that's just between the two of them. Um, There's also, like, the slapstick humor of Harry jumps back onto uh, the Harley turned into a jaguar through the hunt, and um, becomes falsetto for a couple of minutes. <laughs> and Marcer's just amazing with that voice break.
1: <laughs> but again, some, I mean, is it as much of the delivery of the joke, or the joke itself?
0: Um, I guess it'd have to be something to do with the delivery with things like Thomas and Harry just saying shit back to each other.
1: Right, but you sense. talked about how Marsters did a great job with the voice break. So is the yeah, joke would um, the joke be as funny without the performance?
0: The joke is still funny when Marsters is not the one saying it. Um, part of it, I guess, is because like he just sat on his testicles when he needs to go to war, and that's really uncomfortable. Also, bad things happening to testicles seems to be funny in general. Um, but, and Marcia's just oh. is a bonus.
1: <laughs> Man, lots of dead air this episode. It's
2: awesome. I'm, I'm
0: <laughs> there's another Sorry. thing I remember, kind of uh, a joke type, that one that he did in the lectures was he's talking about he really likes to do comedy and horror, which are things that you're trying to elicit a physical response which is really difficult, and also he's lecturing at BYU, so he can't talk about the other types of genre that would elicit a physical response. <laughs> exactly. But he, then he pointed out what he did there. It's like he just left it up to you. You made the joke. You are the one who filled it in, and it was funnier than anything he could have done. Because you're the one who made the joke.
1: Right, because everyone... It elicits a response, but not everyone will go to exactly the same place, where if you define the define it, everyone has to go to that same place.
0: Yeah. Um, it's like the, the threat that is scariest is the one that's least described type of thing. Or the, There's this part in Dragon Ball Z and Frisia, uh, I think it was, is um, listening to people, it's like, if you don't... Like, do this, and he's going to do terrible things like blah, 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 and he comes in and says, yes, give me more ideas.
2: <laughs> it was <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Are <clears throat> oh, <csuit> some other examples of humor that you found in books?
0: I love characters who don't understand sarcasm. Just like the Linanshi, uh, pattern in the Stormlight Archive. Uh, Drax and Guardians of the Galaxy, um, probably Asian people because they don't have sarcasm, which is really weird. <laughs> that
1: sounds racist. <laughs> probably Asian people.
0: <laughs> hey, I'm Asian. I get away with it.
1: <laughs> well, then there's. Well, this brings up another thing: is like, you know, so stereotyping and subverting stereotypes can be pretty funny. Like, sometimes it is funny just to have, like, a very stereotypical character that's so over-the-top stereotypical, you know they can't actually exist in real life.
0: (laughs) Which is also weird when you find out people like that actually do really exist.
1: Well, yes, but, (laughs) like, you you know, you could, I mean, there's so many different ways, like, you can have the Asian kid who's really good at math and everything else, (laughs) and...
2: asian person who can drive really well (laughs) (laughs) uh
1: yeah but um let's see other humor like dresden does this a bit where he's i I don't know i always kind of like self-deprecating humor and so you see that quite a bit in the Dresden Files where he's just like kind of like shits on himself a little bit. Like he knows what he's doing is stupid and he tells himself he's being stupid, but he does it anyway, you know.
2: I think um, which one had the best opening line there? Um, the building was on fire and it wasn't my right fault. Blood rights. Yeah. That works because the you immediately assume he's responsible for whatever was going on. The first line of the book and you already assume Harry Dresden did it.
0: And it puts like it sets up the situation of he's in the defensive of it. Like not only do you think that, but he's defending himself against it. And, and you know, kind of like no, eggs on he your knows face. His reputation. Yes, I. I wonder if that works. That opening line works on people who haven't read the previous five books, because I mean it's hilarious it's to still us. Still a very good line. Yeah, it's a great yeah. line.
2: But the extra humor comes from everything you know about Dresden.
0: Yeah. I also really like the opening of um, Deadbeat, which takes more words, but he talks about how murderous humans are, and like the according to the Bible, that the first one was a, a fratricide of Cain and Abel, and then he's starting to feel really, really sympathetic with freaking Cain, because <laughs> yeah. Thomas is pissing him off. And it's just like, it's great. It's a subverting expectation. Um, and yeah, it's a, set up the situation between the brothers as well.
2: And everyone with brothers can understand that murderous rage that, I've been, that sometimes takes over.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've got five of them, so I know yeah. it pretty well. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't have any brothers. I'm
1: Are you nervous. an only child? Or?
0: I was raised alone, and then when I was 15, I got a sister. But I like, never lived with her, so I forget that she exists at the time.
1: <laughs> You're going to have to explain this at some point. But <laughs> this is too weird.
0: <laughs> my dad got married when I was 15. Uh, and my stepmom had a baby.
1: Okay. Uh, Fair enough.
0: Yeah, but so dad and stepmom and sister were living with not me. So I just, like, okay. You
1: know, this actually kind of brings up another way to be funny is maybe the characters aren't being funny but the situation you place them in is so absurd that it the situation itself is funny instead of telling jokes it's just a funny situation for these people to be in
0: yeah like the dog pissing on god yeah of death. or like
1: yeah. you know the um in Hitchhiker, in, well, Restaurant at the End of the Universe, you know, the cow who is saying, talking about how this part of it is going to be tastier, but if you want this, it'd be better for this part. I've
0: I, I read very little of this series, but yeah. that's well, it,
1: the, the idea is that they genetically in, engineered these cows to be, that they want to be eaten. And so and so they're in this really just random environment where this cow's like, "Ooh, I'm going to be really tasty. I hope you like me." that kind of stuff. <laughs> like, like the cow's being straight, but the situation itself is so absurd that it's funny.
0: Um, I don't know if it's fully on topic, but way back when I actually did watch the movie, and I just remembered the babblefish explanation it was very cartoonish, like animation thing of like how it works. And they just show like a stick figure guy who um, is a farmer. He goes out to the cow, he milks the cow and then he gets the babble fish thing and he tries to go about his day. And then when he's walking up towards the cow. It has a heart on its, above its head and he gets weirded out and he goes, washes his hands. <laughs> <laughs> it's been probably 10 years since I've seen that. And I still remember it.
1: It's so good. Should rewatch it. It's fantastic.
0: Oh, I think, um,
2: somewhat situational humor I don't think Wheel of Time does humor all that well all the time but the first time he made the joke about the three boys looking at the other ones as being better with women no because none of them had the whole situation and understood what was going on they all looked at the other ones as better and then the 10th time he made that joke it was flat yeah very flat.
0: and and out of the 30 times he probably actually made the joke (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: it worked once or twice yeah you can only uh, you can only go to the well so many times
0: god humor's hard to talk about I yeah, I'm trying to think of other
2: examples of situational humor since we haven't done that one much
1: well they make entire television shows off of it so
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, it's all about a misunderstanding, right?
1: A lot of, yes, humor a lot of times comes from a misunderstanding that puts people in a weird position.
0: But it's always like a misunderstanding that if they just talk to each other, like a grown-up for five minutes, then it would go away. Because oh. I really hate those.
2: Oh, that's so frustrating. <laughs>
0: I know. Just be a grown-up.
2: Like some... Entire arcs of books and shows rely on two people refusing to behave like you'd expect them to.
0: Yeah, and it just—it's not Not a fan. Not the audience.
2: <laughs> it's even funnier when they set up the the situations themselves without knowing it, and are then put in the awkward position of dealing with their own follow i like in i mean with seinfeld how you have typically three or four little plot lines running that just start intersecting with each other and creating horribly awkward situations for people who walk
1: into them mm-hmm
0: I, I like it when those things can be done because that's a good plot line thing in general like it, it, they don't have to be funny but if you have plot lines intersecting you probably have a decent book
1: It's true it's true Well I was, I was just about to say like you know then you have the characters that are they're built to create those dramas like Michael Scott he's crazy like but he yeah. but we all have met that kind of guy who was just so clueless that he just breaks shit all over the place.
2: I'm just thinking of the I Declare Bankruptcy line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Everyone in the he car was so okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Poor man. laughs> uh, he's or, so self-centered.
1: <laughs> or, you know, the, the, the Jim-Dwight dynamic is great because like, D- Dwight always just walks headfirst into these pranks. And it's it, but it goes with his character that he just he takes everything so fucking literally that he just like just keeps always just walking years and years and years just headfirst in these crazy ass pranks. He,
0: I like they basically just pile on the bazaar with Dwight, like the weird crazy house beat farm and his crazy fucking cousin and like the horrible. German archaic things that they do as children.
2: Unplying and then having to re-ply the toilet paper. <laughs>
1: like, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, well, I do have an Office podcast, well, obviously I could talk about this for days, because I have. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, um,
0: this can be the Office podcast episode of High Fantasy <laughs> instead of the Dresden Files podcast.
2: Uh. We already, this is like a half-and-half at
1: this point. Yeah. So do you think you can get, like, ideas for written humor from watching television, or do you think the mediums are so different it's really hard to translate?
0: The ideas can be taken from anywhere. It's just the delivery, but the delivery is like the most important part. So maybe?
2: Not so much. I mean, the delivery works in the visual, obviously, but the way they set up the joke, you can pull from and then use that to help translate into building up the same way in writing as opposed to acting it out.
0: I wish I could think of an example of something... From a show that also happens in a book. We just—I don't know. This is hard to talk about.
2: Ready? Comedic books get translated into movies.
0: Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide.
1: Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. Um, you don't see it too often, though.
0: No, I should watch that again.
2: Never even read it.
1: It's really funny. <laughs> but you know, sort it's. It's easy. I think humor in it, like in and of itself, is so hard to do, and so when it's done well, we really like it. But it's really hard to do it really well.
2: I mean, it's really hard to create a structure that elicits the response you're looking for without fail.
0: That, it takes a that's lot something of, that Howard was yeah. talking about. Of. Um, okay, so you set it up and you have like one path to victory, but what if you just set it up so you have like all paths to victory of creating a thing, so like no matter how you set it up, something's going to work and you're going to laugh at it. And just doing that is really, really hard. And yeah, I don't know how to do it, but he was talking about it doesn't have to be just the one way. You were a comedian, you talk about this. (laughs)
1: Well, I mean most of my jokes were kind of literal kind of jokes so <laughs> yeah they were.
0: What, like like puns like uh hedgeberg mitch Hedgeberg. uh was a great kind of like
1: <laughs> you know when i was in college there's this uh like girl we went out a couple of times and i've been up all night right like you do in college and so we we went out in the afternoon and so i grabbed a red bull and she uh you know she's telling me when i get in the car she's like Oh, those things will kill you as she's lighting up her cigarette. I'm like, yeah, those things will make you live forever. (laughs) You know, just simple stuff like that. But, you know, like I said, like, stand-up is just a a completely different animal than most humor. Like, it doesn't, like, that kind of humor doesn't really translate anywhere else besides in that kind, in that environment. Like, a good, a good example is Forever 31 on Hulu. It's Eliza Schlesinger. Schlesinger? I can never pronounce her name. Uh, she's got a great special on Netflix called Freezing Hot. Highly recommend it. It's hilarious. But she tries to translate some of her stand-up jokes into this, like, web series that's on... Well, it's on Hulu, but it's on something else, too. But like the ones that she really like when she the jokes she tries to take from her stand up just don't translate as well as the more organic sketch driven you know tv kind of jokes they feel f- too forced mm you know in like humor in general like it, if you you can't force it it's it's got to feel organic or it's just not funny you can kind of force, like, you know, tension, but you can't force humor. Humor's got to just flow. It's got to it's gotta work. It's got to be a stream of just, it, it has to fit perfectly or it's not funny.
0: Well, I feel like a lot of sitcoms, I guess, um, try to cheat at making, like, forcing funny by using the laugh tracks. <laughs> as soon as you take away the laugh tracks, it's just not funny. But people are, like, duped into thinking it's funny. Because they hear people laughing,
1: yeah, I mean mm. let, let, let's be fair. most writing on television today is terrible. <laughs> well, you know, like especially especially when you get to like um, like network network comedies because they they really generally appeal to the lowest common denominator, so they tend to be not great.
2: got to hate Big Bang theory.
0: I know. That's exactly what I was thinking about. It used to be well, good.
2: It right that, uh, video we
0: watched. Yes. Yeah. I loved his description of the differences yeah. between Big Bang Theory and Community. And I guess I'll just say it here because it was really good. Um, the comedic drop is on who in Big Bang Theory? It's on the nerds. Like they're the ones who're getting the status lowered. They're the ones that are being made fun of. And, and Community, it, it's like happens on everyone, but the good guys are the nerds. So, where do the nerds go to? They prefer community.
2: And what does everyone else like?
0: Big bang theory, because they sympathize with the people making fun of the nerds, and... Yeah, I they really just, just I, go
2: after the lowest-hanging food on that show every time.
0: Or is it trying to be, like... The... The, 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 the dude Sheldon, he's just autistic, okay? He's, he's not funny, he's just autistic. He
2: started out autistic in the beginning of the show. Now, okay. like my parents watch it, it's like, you can see his comedic lines coming from a mile away because it's just so set up for him to be the funny guy now, in his autistic way, but now it's no longer like he's just a guy with some issues, he's just obviously the guy who's going to say the funny thing at the right moment.
1: Right, like I I said, like um, the first two seasons of that show were actually really funny, and it's just gone downhill so much since then. I hate-watched it for a long time, because I really did love the first couple seasons, but I finally gave up on it.
2: Sheldon's behavior no longer makes sense outside of the realm of being funny.
1: Yes, correct.
0: I, I have never watched it myself, not like voluntarily, but I have a psych degree, and for, they because Big Bang Theory tries to be intellectual humor in various ways... It became relevant It's just like, okay, you need no uh, conditional, like conditioning and stuff, um, operational and whatever the fuck the other word is. Uh, so there's this clip of Big Bang Theory, and so I had to watch that like four times throughout the four-year degree. Annoying fucking shit.
2: We should have uh, gotten on what comedies do we hate earlier. <laughs> I
1: know. Well, see, the thing <laughs> the thing with Big Bang in general is in the first couple of seasons, they were characters and now they've made every character into caricatures of the characters they used to be so they used to have a lot of depth and now they are howard is this is only this one way sheldon's this one way you know penny's this one way no one's no one's really growing as a character they've just become these let's they basically just boil down these characters into like Two or three pieces and that's just who they are now. They're they're shadows of what they used to be.
2: It's no longer a comedic show about these people living their lives. It's now just a series of jokes delivered by these people.
1: Basically, yeah.
0: What's that character name um on The Simpsons that he just got like weirder and like, like more and more extreme and then that now that like, that's the name of the trope?
1: Dunno. The like Mr. Burns, the, the really it? religious guy. Oh,
0: Flanders. Flanders. Yes, Flanders. Flanderization—that's what it's called. Um, when, like, they just become more and more extreme of the one trait, and you can probably get into a lot of arguments and have a lot of fun arguing about characters that are <laughs> flanderized or not flanderized or whatever.
2: Here,
0: like, uh, for I example, in Community, I'd say you could say that Britta flanderizes as you get going. And throughout the later seasons but it's still funny
1: right but and it's okay if you write the character to be that way you know like sometimes you just need a character to be a certain way but you know over a longer period of time unless they're only there to do that one thing and then they leave they get really annoying to the reader or the watcher
2: that picture I just linked is the Flanderization TV tropes, which pretty much sums up every Big Bang character.
0: Yeah, it looks like a person. It looks like a dumb cartoon.
1: Yeah, like I said, yeah. they they became caricatures of themselves and that kind of sucked. Yeah. But, um, or, but one thing you can do with Flanderization is make fun of it um, by pointing it out. Because this happens in the yeah, office. Like- with Kevin, because Kevin gets dumber as the as series goes on, and they actually make a joke about how we know he's gotten dumber, but we don't know why. Like, they make that joke in the show, like season 7, season 8, somewhere in there. So you can use the Flanderization as a, a catalyst for a joke about itself. Like, if you, you're purposeful in doing it, you're like, oh... Well, and you pointed out, and it's funny. It's sort of like that fourth wall break kind of thing. And That's a yeah, whole that's other set of humor we like, haven't even talked about: is breaking the fourth wall. I mean, which you know, like uh, one Deadpool. Of the I loved about Deadpool. Yes, Deadpool is a great They're example amazing. of it. Just watched that last night, actually.
0: Nice. <laughs> that is. Um, I don't care about comics, and I only really like Deadpool because it was hilarious. Um. I love how much how much fourth wall breaking it does. Like at one point, uh, Colossus is dragging him off, and we're going to take you to Professor X. It's like, oh, is it going to be Stewart or McAvoy? The <laughs> timelines are so confusing.
2: There is no fourth wall in that movie. <laughs> well, it's like oh, I, I why think
0: two characters? Maybe at
1: like least in the Marvel universe, he's the only character allowed to break the fourth wall. Like, because yeah. uh, my <laughs> wife is a big Deadpool fan-, fan; she's got tons and tons of Deadpool comics. And, you know, there's times where he just, like, starts starts yelling at, like, the inker or the writer for the comics. Like, really? This is the stupidest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I
0: like the fourth wall break inside the fourth wall break. Like, 16 wall. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that movie.
1: Oh, that's a great movie. It got nominated. I don't remember who exactly, which which awards, whatever, but one award show is nominated for Best Picture.
0: Um yeah, just again, one of the things the fourth wall breaking is he's talking about actors and looks and stuff. You think Ryan Reynolds got where he is by his acting ability? <laughs> he loved it. Uh,
1: but in, yeah, then you have to get into like, well, this actually probably could do an entire episode on when is it okay to break the fourth wall and do you have to write the entire story for it or can you just do it?
0: Uh, I don't fully know, but I think community gets around it because they have Abed. Abed is amazing, and I love him. And he does the self-reflective to the TV show because he thinks in TV shows, right? It fits his character. Not fully a full a fourth wall break, but it it's effective enough.
1: There, there was okay. Spoiler warning for anyone who wants to watch the Netflix. Uh, let me say it, but there's this great fourth wall break in there where, so they say they're going to go to the movie, and Neil Patrick Harris looks at the camera and says, why would you go to a movie when you can watch long-form television in your comfort of your own living room <laughs> <laughs> on streaming <laughs> services?
0: <laughs> it's
1: just, it just deadpans it so perfect.
0: I have a question. Mm-hmm. Have you guys watched House of Cards?
1: Yes.
2: Like two episodes?
1: Well, I watched, like, three and a half seasons. I, I never finished okay. the four seasons, so I'm behind considerably. pretty
0: good. Um, yeah, but, like, it opens up with Frank Underwood talking to the camera. Mm-hmm. And he does that. And he's the only character who ever does it. And it's just, it's hilarious. And you get really funny gifs of Kevin Spacey having internal reactions. And it's so weird. It's like, I can't tell if... The things that he's saying to the camera are sometimes heard by other people or, or what is happening. Is it like a time pause? It's, I just got the feeling it was not. like a
1: time pause.
0: I don't know, but it's so strange. And it's, it's a strange thing to go with, but it works for them because a lot of things work for them. Um, that's a really good show. Very dark. Really
1: good. If you want, yeah, it's a good dark humor show.
0: I can't remember humor. I just remember dark
1: so here's a question so we talk about how a lot of times humor is all it's more in the delivery than the actual joke itself so how do you try to get this delivery into the written word like a deadpan delivery or whatever like how do you write that
0: I don't know
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, listeners, you can email us brokenroadsbroadcasting at gmail dot com yes, uh, to
2: help us out <laughs> and tell us why we're all not that funny.
0: <laughs> I mean, okay, I can remember some things from manga, which is not quite a written word, but I, they used the fact that you have to turn pages to their advantage. So, like, basically, you have a character walking through a door, and then you turn the page, and then you see what's on the other side of it, and it's weird and hilarious. And that kind of delivery worked. Um, it's a little bit harder to do that in written books, but you can do very similar with things like chapters, like mm-hmm. like ending on really tense, and then you have to explain it in the next chapter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which, yeah, you know, <coughs> Jim Butcher does all the time. Um,
1: a thing the guy does.
0: <laughs> yeah, the one guy, the one that's awesome, that I have apparently two podcasts about. <laughs>
2: We all should uh, start reading more things in common with each other. Yeah. Well,
1: we could always, you know, start reading a book and sort of have, like, a minor, like, you know, discussion, like, five-minute discussion on, like, things we picked out from this book on the podcast.
0: We could do a high fantasy book club.
1: (laughs) If I start another podcast, my wife will murder me.
0: (laughs) No, no, we do a high fantasy thing
1: so we but could do to read a book right or or will we do like read the book and do an entire episode just on that one book or we do it like, then,
0: like we and then we pick it apart together and okay. what we can glean out we of could it. do that yeah 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 that'd work this is shop talk and not according <laughs> <to> <laughs> <humor>. <laughs> i think we're i think we're running
1: our steam and we're over our hour already so we probably should start right. happening <laughs> i
0: was going god this is a hard subject to talk about one
2: thing i was gonna say that um I noticed in Melazin and a few other things is the comedic understatement in situations. Yes. Where there's massive, especially with Melazin, because he just goes over the top with everything going on, but there's massive amounts of crazy things going on. And then someone just makes a statement that's just so underwhelming that it's just hilarious.
0: Yeah, I think you can also go with things like uh, Captain Obvious type jokes, which can be quite hilarious. Or, like, you know pissy between
2: characters. Hilarious. There are a lot of things Sorry. you can do. We're not good. Yeah,
1: and I've also figured out that when we start talking about subjects like this, we just need to go directly to the shit we don't <laughs> like, because we tend to talk about that a whole lot more than the stuff we do like.
2: <laughs> also, look up the finalization trope page. That'll give you hours of entertainment.
0: Yeah. Uh, but stay away from TV tropes because you'll lose days and days down there. <laughs>
1: All right, well, uh, y'all have a good evening, good morning, whatever, whenever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, find us on brokenjars.xyz, iTunes, Google. Email us, brokenjarsbroadcasting at gmail.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Jacob Ingles. Uh You can find High at high underscore fantasy underscore. Yes, because Alex doesn't know how to make Twitter handles. Uh,
0: <laughs> I it was st- I tried to do the normal thing, and then someone else apparently had it, and then never used it. It was annoying. Oh, I hate those. I wanted to reach through the internet and slap that person. Right. Yes, and let's see, we've got other podcasts. We've got uh, the I Office think- podcast called Great Scott. You guys need to make a fucking logo.
1: I thought J Ray was doing that, but that's beside the point. But I think you can actually petition Twitter if a if a domain's been, if, if a handle's not been used in a certain amount of time, I think you can petition Twitter to get that. I think you can do that. I'm not sure, but I think I remember reading something about that.
0: Well, if I'm bored one day, maybe I will try that. Because <laughs> um, I've also got the, the Justin Fels podcast that I have to, you know, work on again at some point. And then, is Shylock's going? Or just uh, have like a spontaneous episode.
1: I think it's going to be going. Um, Dangerous to go alone is on a hiatus while they're moving. It'll uh, come back, It'll come back in a month crazy. or so. Um, but yeah, so Collins is like a slacker here. He's only got one podcast.
0: No.
2: <laughs> Don't blame me. None of you guys read my stuff. Read the stuff I read.
0: You. Uh, what.
1: To do a Malazan podcast. <laughs> I'm sure you could like find somebody. to
0: read the books. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so
2: go Patriots.
1: Go Patriots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. If if, <laughs> if the Steelers win this year, role, it's going to be insufferable to be in Pittsburgh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> It'll be insufferable to be here, too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. For but. You. <laughs> Maybe that's what we should do. We should have a nerdy sports podcast, Colin.
0: <laughs> you, you too. You need, have another podcast?
2: Yeah, you don't need another podcast. I know I don't
1: need another podcast.
2: <laughs> you
0: need another person on Broken Jars that would talk about sports, so.
1: Because <laughs> yeah. I do love me some sports. Oh, and if anyone wants to join my fancy baseball league, broken jar broadcasting at gmail.com. We'll get, we'll get you hooked up. And y'all should play. Even if you know nothing about baseball, y'all, sh- y'all too should play. It'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Alex is looking at me like, hmm, where's my knife? Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. Have a good whatever. Uh, so, yeah. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye.